Hi everyone, welcome back to Sustainability Speaks. We're your hosts, Stasia and Saskia. On today's episode, it is just Saskia, and I'm excited to be joined by James, who is the CEO of Intrepid Travel. James, would you like to introduce yourself, tell us about Intrepid Travel and your role in the company? Sure, Saskia, it's great to be with you. Uh, my name's James Thornton. I'm the CEO of Intrepid Travel. Uh, I've been with Intrepid for 17 years now. Uh, Intrepid was founded 32 years ago by two uh, Melbourne-based friends who were travelling through Africa and wanted to create a style of travel where you get under the skin of a destination with a small group of friends and travel in a sustainable, uh, low-impact way, but highly experiential. And so they uh, created Intrepid on their kitchen table in 1989. One of them went around the first tour in Thailand and the other one uh, went and sold the trips to travel agents throughout Australia. And yeah, the concept grew from there. I think they carried about 47 customers in their first year in 1989. And fortunately, we've grown a bit since then. So, you know, just before the pandemic in 2019, the trip was carrying 470,000 customers uh, to over 120 countries around the world. We employ about 2,500 office based staff and tour leaders across 25 core countries. Um, and we are the world's largest certified travel people. Well, those are some impressive statistics. And I think it's quite wild to think that this was established in 1989, like such a forward thinking concept for yeah. that point in time. So what exactly is your role in the company and where are you based in your team? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the global CEO. So I'm ultimately responsible for the, uh, the operations and strategy of the, the whole company and also a member of uh, one of the six um, board members uh, and directors of the company. Uh, I'm based and headquartered in, in Melbourne, Australia, which is where um, the global head office is. But as I kind of mentioned earlier, we have about 25 offices all around the world. So big offices in places like Colombo, um, Lima, Hanoi, uh, London, where I am and speaking to you from today. Uh, and Toronto. So yeah, I manage the, 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 the kind of the, the entire team around the world. I've got a series of, of C reports who, who come into me and then uh, a series of regional managing directors too. And it's their responsibility to really go um, out and execute and implement our strategy. And effectively what Intrepid tries to do is, is two things. Um, we are trying to grow the market for what we call sustainable experience rich travel. Um, which kind of more commonly known, I guess, is adventure travel, but we see it as, as very much more kind of broader than that because adventure travel has a connotation of, you know, being highly physical. Or actually, often what we're doing is, is fairly kind of low impact and just getting under the skin of a destination. And then the second thing our company is trying to do is is to operate a business that balances having uh, both a strong uh, purpose, as I mentioned earlier, we're a certified B Corp but also manages um, to, to balance having a, a healthy commercial return. We are a for-profit company. And so effectively, we're trying to try and change the way business is done in the sense that often business is pursued. If you want to have a healthy level of profitability, you have to be doing bad by the world. And I think that's quite an old-fashioned way of thinking. And conversely, if you want to do good by the world, that you have to be um, an NGO. And uh, I suppose what Intrepid is trying to prove through B-Port methodology is that you can be commercially successful, but you can also um, have a strong purpose agenda. And in fact, if you get those two things right, one can actually promote the other. Um, and that's what we were finding in the uh, lead up to COVID. 
you spoke about tours like responsibly operated mm. can you kind of go into a bit more detail about what these tours are yeah so intrepid trips they're essentially traveling um, in a destination or a country sometimes they travel from country to country but more often than not they're just located in one country um, and we have a, a wide range of, of different types of tours so the, the main premise is that the trips uh, traditionally stay in what we call local accommodation and, and by local accommodation that simply means that we don't use international chain hotels um, they tend to predominantly use uh, different forms of local transport and that means wherever possible we're trying not to get on our um, bus that we've chartered we're trying to use a, a train uh, we're trying to use a, a bike um, a local bus a cyclo um, you know whatever different forms of trans uh, boats whatever different forms of transport there are in a country um, and then fundamentally what we're trying to do is to meet and get a better understanding of, of the local people the way in which they live the way in which they eat uh, we do that by trying their food sometimes uh, visiting uh, their iconic uh, uh, iconic monuments uh, sometimes by going visiting people in their homes and doing cooking schools so it really is the, the concept of traveling through a country trying to get under the skin of a destination meet the local people um, and, and hopefully recognize that in this what is quite at the moment a, uh, a divided world that actually we have more in common with people than uh, we have differences and that's what Intrepid really tries to promote and we, uh, we do that by uh, having a, a local guide with the, the group um, the group is uh, usually an average group size of about 10 people and, um, and we're trying to um, uh, travel in as low carbon format as possible and, and empower our local communities on our trips. When people talk about sustainability it's about environmental sustainability and also social sustainability putting back into local economies yeah absolutely we, we want to ensure that when um tourism has at certain points got a bad name when big cruise ships are docking into places like venice or nick and barcelona and often known as ice cream tours because the only benefit the local community was getting was when people get off the ship buy an ice cream and get back on and effectively spending all their money through the cruise ship itself and so effectively what Trevor tries to promote through its trips is that money gets spent with the local communities and, and we're empowering the local communities and, and by that I mean we are staying in locally owned or family run hotels. When we're travelling on transport we are using different forms of local transport. When we are eating we are trying the, the local food so essentially trying to make sure that our travel activities are benefiting the local communities and then trying to do that in as, as low carbon a way as we as we possibly can i think this is a really good because as you spoke about cruises one of the predominant draw factors to a cruise is the ease of it is that everything's organized mm. for you but that's exactly what intrepid travel does isn't it absolutely saskia we we take complete responsibility for the minute you turn up on on the trip on on day one you are with a, a tour leader, a tour leader who is from the country that you are visiting. And so that tour leader um, knows and understands the destination better than anyone else. They uh, are responsible for your, your health and your well-being and your safety um, over the course of the journey. And they're essentially there as a facilitator, a facilitator to 
provide you with the best experiences you can have that gives you a better appreciation of that country and destination um, during the course of the, the trip that you have together. So um, I, I actually believe it's, it really is the best possible way to, to um, really understand a country. And I think, you know, we talked about cruise ships, but conversely, you see kind of tour buses go by and kind of curtains drawn and, um, you know, again, you're not really getting into the skin of the destination and meeting the local people by being on your own tour bus. And don't get me wrong, there are certain trips and certain locations where local transport isn't feasible or practical for whatever reason, and we have to use them. But as much as possible, um, we are trying to get um, as much local interaction as, as we possibly can. And, and that's what we find um, is the most rewarding aspect of, of our trips is, is meeting the people and trying the food and yeah, really embracing the culture. One thing that I've read, I think it might have been on your website or potentially just in the pre-podcast discussions, mm. was that you provide opportunities for women on tours. What does this mean? So I suppose what we try to do is um, a couple of things. Um, the first thing that we, we recognise is that about 65% of our office space staff are, are female. But back in 2017, we recognised that actually we had a very small uh, percentage of our tour leaders were female. And that's for a whole series of social and cultural norms in some countries, particularly in um, some Arabic countries or in, uh, in, other, in other destinations like, like India, for example. And so what we decided to do was set out on a, um, an aim to double our number of female tour leaders. Um, and we did that by um, engaging with uh, local schools, local universities, actually in some cases speaking to the parents of uh, prospective tour leaders and um, providing them with the information and education about what it is like to be a tour leader leading international groups. And we were, we were quite successful in doing that. And I think, I, I don't know the exactly off the top of my head, but we went from about 150 female tour leaders in 2017 to about 350 just prior to the pandemic commencing. So that was one way in which we were trying to um, empower women um, via our trips. Another way of, of what we tried to do is via our supply chain. Um, and what, again, we recognised was that a lot of our supply chain is facilitated by, by women, um, but actually we were often um, being forced to contract with the male of the family rather than the female. And so we made a, a market point of trying to contract more of our supply chain directly with uh, female business owners or, or female managers um, to, again, give benefits. And, and the third way in which we have been trying to um, empower women on our trips is we've actually created a series of women-only expeditions. And this is where we actually have trips that are only, uh, only take women on the trip. And why, why did we do that? Because we wanted to provide a, a really unique travel experience. Again, in some Middle Eastern destinations, um, some social and cultural norms um, create distance between men and women. Um, and so by creating women-only expeditions where it's create an environment where women are able to get really under the skin of a destination that they wouldn't necessarily be able to do were they in a, a, a mixed-sex group environment. And we found they've been particularly popular trips. Have you found that, in general, the sort of people that come on the tours are more female than men? Because I'd imagine, as a woman, being a solo traveller can be quite intimidating, so it'd be... A less intimidating to join an organised tour. That's right, Saskia. Yeah, the, the average um, the average intrepid traveller is tends to be a 
university educated, single female in their late 30s, early 40s. Um, they often have a professional job and have traveled in the past, but have limited free time to get out and, and see the world. And they want to do it in the safety and security of uh, an organized group environment. So yeah, we, we tend to skew about 60% female on our trips. Um, and um, females make up about 80% of the, the purchase decision um, for, for, um, for travellers on our trips. So yeah, we are, we are quite significantly females good. That's really interesting. That is kind of an older demographic because every time I've sort of like um, gone on a similar trip or done anything like this, everyone's kind of been under 25. Do you think that's because of the sustainable environmental element? It kind of attracts people who are a bit older yeah, I don't know. I think um, look, it is definitely a misconception with Intrepid sometimes. It's only suited to, to young customers. And not only is our average late 30s and 40s, um, in fact, our second core group of travellers are um, baby boomers. So you know, um, couples in their 50s and 60s whose kids have left home. So yeah, definitely a misconception. Why does it appeal? I think, um, I, 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 you know, I think it's, it's that case of often people having travelled in the past being in these professional jobs and wanting to get those kind of real traditional travel experiences that they enjoyed in their 20s or 30s but but having limited free time to be able to do it because of having a professional job and only having so much um, annual leave to be able to take so by coming to the traffic you know you can travel from one destination to another destination let's say in india for example or peru and really get a great experience in india and peru and really feel like you've seen the north mouth because it's organized the group environment and you're able to, to cram a lot into a short period of time, which if you tried to organise by yourself, would just take um, you know far too long to, to be able to do. So, so yeah, I think it, that, that's one of the reasons why it appears. Yeah, I'm really pleased to hear this because I think a lot of people have a misconception that you're too old to travel mm. after your 20s. And <laughs> this is well, it's surprising to me in, very, in a very good way. I, sh- I should probably ask this question earlier, but in terms, you spoke about women. I'm just wondering about wages. How do you pay your tour guys? Do you pay them local to their country? Yeah, it's different. It's different in every single country in terms of how payments are made. But payments are made to ensure that we have a, a living wage. Um, our tour leaders are contracted workers who work with us for a set period of time, um, and and then obviously uh, some of our tour leaders benefit from from tips from customers um, on as well but yeah we ensure that every totally uh, has a, uh, a standard living wage on, on the trips that they operate for us okay fantastic so moving on to like the environmental sustainability now you mm-hmm. spoke a bit earlier about being a b corp certified we yeah. spoke a little bit on this podcast about this but why do you think this is important to intrepid travel and what does this mean for the business yeah i think look greenwashing and impact washing is becoming more common than ever in travel um, and so Intrepid wanted to pursue an all-encompassing business certification um, and big, big corporations are businesses that have to meet the high standards of verified social and environmental performance of public transparency and they have legal accountability to balance um, profit and purpose um, and so I think there's about 180 different accreditations in travel but we wanted to find something that was cross-business um, that put us in a broader community and that required us to go through very rigorous assessment process so that it wasn't just Intrepid saying we did good things because there's lots of companies out there saying that, that they do good things 
that we've actually been independently verified that we are doing what we say we do. And so we go through a you know, recertification process every three years that forces us to retain our B Corp status by going through the B Corp impact assessment. Um, and uh, the Intrepid's just gone through that again. So we, we uh, qualified as B Corp for the first time in 2018. And we've got a score of 82.7. We need 80 to become a certified B Corp. We've just recertified at the end of 2021 with a, a new score of 91.2 from the uh, B Corp impact assessment. So we've had a 10% improvement in our overall social and environmental performance over that three year period. So I really like B Corp certification because it gives customers the comfort and clarity that we do what we say we do. I think it helps Intrepid be able to uh, retain and attract better people to work in our company. And I think it provides us with a roadmap of how we can continue to improve our business as, as well over the course of the last three years by that 10% um, improvement. So, yeah, it's a really, really important, critical thing for our company. And we're super lucky to be in, um, you know, I think it's a community of over 4,000 businesses now and some really you know, big and established names and companies that I have huge respect for, you know, like the likes of Patagonia, um, the likes of The Body Shop, uh, Aesop, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. So uh, there's, some, there's some really impressive businesses and we're very fortunate to be in the company. I knew he was going to say Patagonia. That's the one everyone always comes back to. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm such a huge fan of, of, of that brand. And I think the key thing with Patagonia is they, they stand for something, don't they? Um, and, and I think that's what draws um, customers to them. It draws people to want to work with them. Um, and yeah, they're a real kind of halo benchmark in, in, in the people world. And, you know, we, we look to continue to hopefully one day work towards kind of, you know, joining them with, with the way in which they, they kind of need a purpose. Yeah, for sure. So another thing about targets is I read that you follow science-based targets. What does this mean? Yeah, so um, we are the first global tour operator with verified science-based targets through the Science-Based Targets Initiative, which is aimed to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees in the next decade. Um, Intrepid's joining joining this this this, this uh, commitment, um, which requires us to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions at the pace and scale that science says is necessary to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. And so I suppose ultimately we're responding to that call to action for companies to set emission reductions targets. Um, and that's backed by a global network of UN agencies, business and, and industry leaders. And we know that set science-based climate targets will see us reduce our, our emissions um, across our operations and supply chains for that 1.5 degree future. I suppose what we hope by setting out and doing it is that um, it'll be a rallying cry to the entire industry to, to hopefully take meaningful action on climate as a critical priority in travels post-COVID return because we simply can't rebuild it at the expense of the planet because if we do that, ultimately the travel company will, will have nothing to show our customers. So there's lots of ways in which we go about trying to reduce our carbon emissions. Uh, we are trying to move all our offices to renewable energy. Um, we are removing um, the flight component 
from some of our trips. So whenever we have a flight that is less than an hour in duration, we're trying to take those out of our trip itineraries and replace them with local travel experiences. So a good example is when you fly from, uh, lots of people fly from Phnom Penh to Siem Reap in Cambodia, it's a very easy, practical and quick thing to do. But actually the experience is pretty rubbish because you, you know, drive out to an airport, jump on a, a low-cost carrier, come back into an airport, it's quite sanitary. Um, instead, we've uh, removed that flight component and added a boat trip down the, the Mekong uh, River instead, which we think is much better experience for our customers and, and it's better for the environment because we're reducing the carbon we're emitting. Yeah, trying to take, take steps like that to ensure that we, we align to, to that 1.5 degree future. On the topic of flights, so you, as a tour, you pick a group up from a certain place but they just meet you there. So That's right. do, how do you kind of encourage them to be kind of more sustainable on the way to getting to this point? Yeah, so one of the things we try and encourage is that people, when they, they do travel, um, is that they, they travel for longer durations of time. You know, we're increasingly um, creating trips that are, are longer um, in duration because if you can fly from one side of the world to the other side of the world, um, we believe it's best to, to spend as much time as you possibly can in destination and really get under the skin of it rather than um, doing multiple flights flying in and out. I think that's a, a really important thing to do is, is when you're in destination, try and extend um, the, the duration of your stay. The other thing we're trying to also do as a, as a global tour operator is we're actually expanding our range of domestic travel we recognise that more and more people are wanting to get under the skin of their home destinations. So, you know, we've built out a very big US domestic travel range for customers, for American customers who don't necessarily want to um, travel internationally to have great experiences, but are happy to travel domestically and locally. And we've, we've done the same in Australia too. So, yeah, they're, they're some of the ways in which we're encouraging our, our customers. At the beginning of this podcast, you mentioned that you had 470,000 travellers in 2019. How have you found, obviously this was before COVID, so how have you found that COVID has affected intrepid travel? Have you bounced back yet? Yeah, look, it's been devastating uh, for intrepid. I mean, we were a company that was carrying, you know, a huge number of customers. We were growing at 20% corporate average growth rate. If you go back to January 2020, we, we had our biggest bookings month ever of $55 million of sales in a single month. And within six weeks, we'd then moved to ceasing global operations for the first time in our 31 year history. And it was utterly unprecedented and entirely devastating. In, in the end, we had to reduce our global workforce in half. Um, and we've had to go through ex- an extended period of, of hibernation. But we've been able to use that period of hibernation to uh, re-emerge more and more strongly. We have you know, launched a very strong range of domestic travel trips. We have um, changed, uh, refreshed our brand, done a series of, of, of systems improvements that will give our customers uh, better experience on the ground. And progressively, as uh, we've advocated for um, vaccine equality, um, and progressively, as um, countries have begun to open up and as travellers return, it's been that we're incredibly well placed now to take advantage of what we think will be a significant spike in demand. People have been stuck at home and they're very, very keen to get out and have great experiences and to connect with people again and to, to see the world because in many respects they've, they've lost two years. So 
we are seeing, certainly since um, the UK government changed its requirements on testing and entry in that country in the middle of January, that over the last two and a half months, bookings have spiked hugely. And um, you know, Trekkid will sell over $30 million of travel in, in March alone. Um, obviously, it's still a way off the kind of peak of that January 2020 month, but we are seeing that kind of real strong progressive return for people wanting to travel this summer, uh, which is which is really exciting. So we're we're very excited to you know reconnect and, and get people back out having these wonderful experiences that they've been missing. Yeah, so it kind of came at the worst time for you guys. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's ever a good time. You know. No. Like, no. Um, but, but, you know, obviously we would had four very successful years in the lead up, so we had a strong balance sheet, so we're able to weather through, but of course, you know, it has been utterly devastating for travel companies, and there's no hiding that, but, but fortunately, I think we've weathered the better than most, and yeah, excited to, um, excited to get back out and do what we do best, and I think at the moment, we have about 50 of our countries operational again, which is about half, so, and we have more countries progressively coming online all the time, I mean, lots of Asian destinations now starting to open up great places like Vietnam, Thailand, which uh, we know a lot by our customers. So yeah, great to get our customers back to these, these wonderful countries. You might not know the answer to this question because I, I know that you don't work on the ground on these tours, but sure. do you know how the locals have reacted to having foreign people traveling the country again? Have they been happy to have the income or are they like, reacted negatively to bringing essentially COVID into the country? I think what we found is that um, for so many of the countries that we operate in, um, tourism is more, more often than not one of the main sources of income to a country. And so if anything, there was a pressure point probably last year where many destinations were wanting us to bring customers back. But to be honest, we were slightly uncomfortable um, and, and hence we did a lot of work around championing um, vaccine equity, because I, you know, I think that one of the things with Omicron was that um, we had a, a highly vaccinated um, uh, population in, in traditional developed countries, but in, in many um, uh, developing countries, there was still very, very limited access to, to vaccines. And so you had this kind of push-pull where we had destinations wanting us to bring customers back, but I think Intrepid being relatively uncomfortable and questioning our responsibilities around is it right to do so and so you know with with vaccine equity um, increasing in many destinations we're, we're and you know, testing being removed and you know one of the key things that Trevor has done is that if you want to travel with us you have to be um, fully vaccinated and that means that some customers um, aren't willing to travel with Intrepid as a result but we think it's our uh, responsibility um, to do that to ensure that we're off- operating safe and secure trips, not just for the customers who are traveling on the trips, but also for the local communities that we're visiting. Yeah, for sure. So sensible steps back, but all, ne- all necessary. That's right. Um, and although Intrepid Travel is already a massive global business and doing very, very well, what are the future goals? Future goals, Saskia, are, you know, absolutely, we've, we've grown to become a pretty decent sized business before COVID. Um, that 470,000 customers but the reality is it's still a very very small proportion of of global um, travel I think there was some crazy stat like there were 1.5 billion um, arrivals um, in 2019 so 
Intrepid is, is tiny by comparison to the broader industry. Our style of travel is still considered a bit of a niche, albeit a growing niche, i.e. sustainable experience for its travel. And so what we really want to do is, is come back to those, those two things I said at the start of the podcast, which is to grow the market for sustainable experience for its travel, because we do believe our style of travel benefits um, the local communities and, and the people um, within which we operate. We have that independently verified by being a certified B Corp. And, and secondly, we want to continue to operate a business that has a very strong purpose agenda that continues to also be commercially successful so that we can you know, share our success with the multiple stakeholders who, who work with, with Intrepid. That includes our shareholders, but also our customers and, and our people and, and communities within which we operate. So, you know, that's what we want to keep doing. We want to keep kind of growing and, and, and showing people that our style of travel is, is not actually a niche, but hopefully over the course of time can become more mainstream and, and therefore influence customers purchasing decisions and, and yeah, hopefully um, kind of ultimately reduce forms of, of inequality in destinations and, and give people recognition that actually we have more similarities than we do differences, which I, I think we probably um, all recognise and benefit the world. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, James. This has been such an interesting conversation and I'm sure our listeners will be just as interested as I was recording it. Pleasure. Thanks, <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As usual, the links to Intrepid Travel will be in the show notes of the podcast. If you enjoyed this, please make sure to check out others and follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook for more updates.